Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Abby. I want to show you something. But I know, I know, it's a podcast, so I can't actually show you. So instead, I want you to imagine something in your head. So close your eyes. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. Save this one maybe for later. But everyone else, I want you to close your eyes and imagine a single color, like pink. Imagine that a light, beautiful pink is all that you can see. There are no people there, no objects, just the color pink filling everything. Now, over on the far left, are your eyes still closed? Okay, good. If you're driving again, please do not close your eyes. On the far left, I want you to imagine the color yellow, a bright, totally yellow, yellow. And it's starting to fill up the whole left side and it's pushing against the pink. And there's a brilliant, beautiful light orange where the two colors come together. Now you have yellow and orange and pink and just there over on the right, purple. A deep, rich purple and it's starting to push its own way in. The colors are blending and mixing and making all kinds of different shades. The way single notes combine and mix and make chords and music and songs and symphonies. Lots of artists play with colors and perception and light in just this way. And today, I'm going to take you to two of the best places to experience it. I'm Abby Jacobson, and this is A Piece of Work. In this episode, we're going to be talking about artists who didn't just use light in their work. Their work is made of light. Okay, Sam Irby. Abby Jacobson. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Are you ready for what is about to go down? I think so. I took my friend, the writer, Samantha Irby, to see this mind-exploding work of art. She had no idea what she was in for. Get ready. Do you, have, do you have any idea what we're looking at? No, I didn't Google Oh, my God. Okay, so we're walking into the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> this looks nuts. This is amazing. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Sam and I are up in Long Island City in Queens at a space for contemporary art called MoMA PS1. And we're inside of this piece called Meeting by James Terrell. His specialty is making these immersive spaces full of colorful light. You used to call me on my cell phone. So do you guys remember the video for Hotline Bling? It's just Drake singing and sort of dancing the way that he dances inside a blank room where the light is constantly changing color. It kind of looks like he's floating. So I didn't realize that Drake was influenced by Terrell. And now when I watch it back, it's so there. Artists inspiring artists. I love it. Anyway, back to Long Island City and Sam and I experiencing this incredible light. So the room is like purple. What is this? It's made op- of? It, it's it's a op- it's an opening in the roof. Do you, can we lay on the floor? Yeah. Just because I heard that that's the thing. Meeting is just this plain room with 
wooden angled benches lining the outside. So you lean back and you're looking up at the ceiling. Except when you look at the ceiling, there's a perfectly cut rectangle that's open to the sky. There's no glass or anything covering it. It's actually very jarring at first because the fresh air seeps into the room and you're not quite sure what's going on. And at sunset, the LED lights inside the room come on and slowly change color. And it makes the sky outside look like it's changing color too. This is wild. I know. This, this light in here is making the sky turquoise. Oh, my God. And it's breezy in here. Yeah, it like, feels good in here. It's incredible in here. This is what I want my room to look like. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What is it, like, made of? Or do you know? Um, so there are these lights, like, on the top of this big wood bench, like, mm-hmm. area. And they change according to the sunset every day, like the timing of the sunset. So he designed this whole thing so the light changes and really changes the way the sky looks. It really feels like an optical illusion. Yeah, this is crazy. Like how does he know that this will have this effect? Like is he also a scientist? I don't know. Like, I think, well, it's this like what happens when you bring dumb now. people to no, look at No, I just asked this like, to the curator. I just don't know. Well, it's oh, like, now it's, it's like dealing with the... So, funny Sam should ask, because it turns out Terrell kind of is a scientist. He studied perceptual psychology in college, and all of his art is kind of like a giant experiment into our perception of color. A couple years ago, when I, I used to live in Astoria, and I would come here for the parties and then go into the museum. You'd come for the parties, but not... Stay for the museum. But st- stay for the art. So I asked Peter Ely, who's the curator of MoMA PS1, how does this thing work? You know, when you go to a museum, you often see on the label on the wall something that describes that this is an oil painting on canvas or a sculpture in marble. And in this case, James often just says light. That the material of the work is light itself. Um, That's exciting. He's figured out, I mean, his craft over many years has been to tune how we experience light and space inside of our bodies in relation to all of these tools and levers that he has to elicit those kinds of responses from us. Terrell takes the technology available to him, like color-changing LEDs, and uses them to manipulate how we perceive what we see. And our brains respond to those tricks in surprising ways. For Sam and me, we got more and more messed up the longer we stayed in that room. This green right now is like making this look like a projection, right? Yeah. It looks like it's projected oh, on yeah. the ceiling. Oh yeah, if you like unfocus your eyes. Like it looks fake. Yeah. Whoa, this is nuts. You guys have to come and see this. Yeah, you guys need to see this. It's hard to this intelligently is like you don't describe need what's happening. It's oh, look so at the plane. It's so fucking nuts. It's like, bec- oh, there's a plane going through. Guys, we should get real fucked up and come do this again. <laughs> I feel like I might freak out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so it's now the room again. It's back is to like... Almost 
crazy like egg yolk yellow and the sky is turquoise. This is really Well, welcome bananas. to New York, baby. We're oh. showing you the sights and the sounds. <laughs> oh my God. And do they cover up the hole every night? I think they must. Yeah. Right? If they didn't, people would like sneak in here. <laughs> you can't steal anything in here, yeah. Yeah, like what would they take? Selfies. <laughs> That's what the criminals of today do. They sneak in places and they take selfies. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want to say that the day that Sam and I did this, it had been an extremely long day for me. And I was ready to relax and just let loose. And you know what? You know what? I did. Okay, I swear I'm not stoned, but I'm about to, I'm about to make the stoneriest comment. <laughs> but like what I just was saying about how when you put different colors next to each other, they like completely change the one color. Mm-hmm. Just like people. <laughs> <laughs> but really true, guys. Really is true. No, it is true. Well, like true. hot pink makes the the sky color totally different. Mm-hmm. Sam your color makes me totally different too, man. <laughs> your color enhances my color. Oh, back at you. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a day. What a girl. What a day. But when you think about it, what were Sam and I experiencing in there? Colored light in a room with a hole cut out of the ceiling? Why were we feeling so much? Peter broke it down a little bit for me. It does this very interesting sleight of hand that a lot of great art does. It takes something out of the world so that we can focus on it. But in James's case, it actually just uses the world as it is. Right. He's not actually taking something and sticking it on the wall. He's cutting a hole in the wall so that we have access to this thing that we otherwise don't think about. Yeah, it's a big collaboration with him and... Everything else. That's, I think that's exactly right, and that's how he likes to think about it. There's a lot of what James accomplishes with these kinds of works that's a kind of metaphysical magic. The longer you sit with it, which the setting of the sun encourages you to do, just like watching a sunset on a beach, you, know, you want to stop what you're doing and sit there and watch the color of the sky change. James manages to bring that experience into the frame of of an artwork. So the next artist we're going to talk about used just totally normal everyday lights from the hardware store to drastically change the way we feel in a space and almost create these portals into another dimension. It's bright, it's colorful, it's a door, it's a door between this side and other side. It reminds me, like, if you walk through or you're going to, like, this mega rave kind of thing. That's what I would imagine. That's next, and this is a piece of work. So another artist who's well-known for using light was Dan Flavin. 
And to see Dan Flavin's work in a particularly cool setting, I went to the house of one of his buddies, the artist Donald Judd. Judd bought the building at 101 Spring Street in Soho, back when Soho was still just a handful of artists and a bunch of old industrial spaces. And he got Dan Flavin to install some of his original light pieces right in this house. Today, 101 Spring Street is home to the Judd Foundation. Okay, so bear with me for a second. Donald Judd and Dan Flavin were very good friends. So when Judd had a son, he decided to name him Flavin. Flavin Judd. And he's going to be my guide today. Flavin Judd grew up here in this house, surrounded by all of this incredible artwork. Were you nervous? Because it it's so beautiful in here and everything is so clearly placed in a specific way growing up like what if you spilled something do you know what I mean like were you ever worried about that kind of thing we we had instructions don't run through the art you know but otherwise it was not a big deal the building is Really something. It's on the corner of Spring and Mercer. It's got five floors with massive windows along the walls. So for an apartment in the city, it's got the most incredible light. Donald Judd had a studio in here and his family lived on the other floors. The second floor is where they had their kitchen and dining room. And as I'm walking around, I can definitely see how this space was lived in. But on the other hand, I'm totally in awe of the beauty of each unique object and where it's placed and how everything is designed in a very specific, functional and beautiful way. I think this is my favorite floor. It's pretty great, right? It's really great. The the way that it's just completely open, the kitchen and... Each floor had to be open. It's completely wide open and that was one of Donald Judd's rules. No internal walls breaking up the space. There's a giant table, super simple and elegant, surrounded by these perfect minimalist chairs, all designed by Flavenstad. This sofa is incredible. You too can have one. I feel like it wouldn't go in my apartment. Oh, we can make that work. <laughs> so growing up, like, was this, could you come and, would you sit on this? Yeah, of oh, you course. Would? Okay. It's a chair. And you would use... I know, but do you know what I mean? How like you It co- was a house. I know. I have to keep asking. I'm speaking for the people. It's a house. <laughs> Every house should look like this, no? I agree. Okay. But I'm just like I would be worried about putting something I don't know. It's so it's so beautiful. Just gotta be careful. Yeah, you just gotta be careful. And I kept thinking how strange it must be to have your childhood home turned into a museum. Everything preserve the way it looked when you grew up. I mean, I think there's a big difference. I think um, museums are always many compromises at once. Right. And Don was not a big fan of museums because of that, because they almost never did what they were supposed to do, which was to show the work in its best light. So, you know, when he got to do his own house, Don could do whatever he wanted. And he took a lot more care in doing his house than a museum curator is going to do in a show that's up for three months. That's just the way it goes. Upstairs in the bedroom is the piece of art by Dan Flavin I came to see. It's a series of tall squares, eight feet by eight feet, and they're made out of super basic fluorescent tubes. The horizontal sides are blue and the vertical sides are red, and they run along the windows the whole length of the building. And they fill the room with this kind of eerie glow. 
Okay, I have a question about the Flavin. Mm-hmm. Just a very light question. I did not even yeah, mean to make I'm a pun sure you there. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> when you guys went to bed, you you flip a switch. Yeah, it's the light. <laughs> that just seems so. I don't know. That's it's very practical. It's very practical. It's just like. Yeah. It's the light in the room. Yeah, that's it. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And he began as a painter as well. Both Don and Dan Flavin began as painters, and their art evolved out of their desire to do something more radical. The the color that he uses, well, I feel like this piece is probably completely different at night in here. It's, yeah, yeah, the light, the light is very different, and it's pretty amazing. So this is the first time I'm seeing a Dan Flavin inside a home being used as a light. And it pretty much blows my mind. And it also makes me think about the way I use light in my home. I think sometimes we just settle for whatever light fixtures the apartment came with and we forget all the ways that color and light can transform our mood and experience. Donald Judd made that aspect of art part of his everyday life. The art world in New York in the late 60s, early 70s was very small. It was all downtown almost. And everybody knew each other. Everybody was hanging out. It was an incredible group of men and women who had very radical ideas and were doing really amazing work. And I don't think we've even started to explore all the work that was done then and has largely been forgotten. Sam, last thoughts. This was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I mean, for real. Really incredible, right? Yeah. Like, when the things were changing and when it started to look opaque, like, I, like, felt that. This was a lot more feelings than I anticipated having. If you were in here, like, by yourself with, like... I was here by myself. I don't know what would happen. Some sad music. Like, I would really... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, like, real twinkly, sad music. I would cry. Yeah. This shit is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for coming here with me. Thanks for having me here. My pleasure. I'm never going to look at a sunset the same way again. And that's a piece of work. I'm Abby Jacobson. Thanks to Sam Irby, Flavin Judd, and Peter Ely. You can see pictures of the stuff we talked about today on our website, apieceofworkpodcast.org. And if you like the show, why not leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts? The show is a co-production of WMIC Studios and MoMA. Thanks for listening. Did you cry? No. That's because I my tear ducts are all dried up. <laughs> yeah. That's why I didn't. <laughs>